welcome back to It's an Inside Job podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lim. Now, this podcast is dedicated to helping you to help yourself and others to become more mentally and emotionally resilient so you can be better at bouncing back from life's inevitable setbacks. Now, on It's an Inside Job, we decode the science and stories of resilience into practical advice, skills, and strategies that you can use to impact your life and those around you. Now, with that said, let's slip into the stream. Well, welcome to 2023, season three, episode one. I can't believe I actually made it a whole year doing this podcast. It's been a very enriching and fulfilling journey. And I'm glad so many of you have joined me along this trip, along this sojourn. And the feedback has been outstanding. It's, it's really been an encouragement. It's been the fuel that's added to my fire and my passion to continue this. And the great thing is I've met so many brilliant people, you know, learned so much from my guests on how they build resilience. And it comes from so many different sectors of, of society, of companies, of organizations, of individuals, authors, scientists, leaders, entrepreneurs, the whole gambit. And it's very, I'm very, very, very grateful. Well, we're going to continue the pattern that we established in the first two seasons. At the top of every month, I'm going to share my ideas about resilience in in the different shapes and forms it takes when it comes to well-being, psychological safety, mental health, self-compassion, gratitude, the whole spectrum. But also what I'd like to do is continue that tradition at the top of every month. I will introduce the guests that I have coming up. And so I have three spectacular guests for you guys coming up through the month of January. So in episode two of this season, I will be talking to Tuva Selnes. She is the chief people officer at Sturebrand, and we talk about how to build an inclusive culture. And as you all know, through the history of this podcast, I like to get down to nuts and bolts. So when Tuva and I talk about inclusiveness, we take it beyond the management speak or the political correctness of inclusiveness. We understand in the conversation that it takes commitment, it takes time, it takes investment, it takes effort. We have to address biases. We have to have those frank, hard conversations. We have to address the elephants in the room. So Tuva speaks both passionately and pragmatically as how to build a culture of inclusiveness. In episode three, I'm joined by Espen Osheim, a man who has 30 years of CEO experience. And here we talk about how crisis, change, and challenge are part of every business and industry and how business owners and leaders respond to inevitable turbulence. Well, that can mean the difference between the business flourishing or failing. An organization's resilience is in part depending upon how they respond to the realities of the situation. And this is another conversation where I go deep into the nuts and bolts, into the forest to check out the trees and the branches of organizational transformation. And in this conversation with Esmond, I learned so much from his deep and long experience with the difficulties, the challenges, and the opportunities that come with transformation. And the heart of resilience, whether you're an individual, team, or an organization, it is about transforming. It's about adapting and evolving to the situations. 
you know, dealing with the cards that have been dealt. And in episode four, I have the privilege to talk to Heidi von Eldig, who is a senior executive in supply chain and contract logistics at DHL. So we hop all the way over to the Netherlands. And here we talk about how to build resilient global teams. I mean, the complexity of remote leadership over several locations with hundreds and hundreds of people. Well, as you can imagine, that is no easy feat. And so Heidi, in our conversation, talks passionately and pragmatically as to how to build global resilient teams. Well, I hope you'll be able to join me for the entire month of January. And so without further ado, let's slip into the stream and kick off the first episode of season three. As the year has come to a close, it has broadened my perspective and deepened my insights. These reflections have the roots in my research for my articles, the interviews with fascinating people on this podcast, and the work I do with scores of highly interesting clients. Now, resilience has been at the heart of all these three domains. As I've discovered, resilience shows up in various forms. Still, it has come down to the common denominator being able to bounce back from life's inevitable setbacks. To share my insights with you, I've created an amalgam representing the collective understanding I've learned from several coaching clients, as well as the guests on this podcast. Now, I want to call this client Hunter. Now, when I first met Hunter, he was feeling excessive pressure. The stress from the private professional life triggered poor sleep, brain fog, mild levels of anxiety, and incessant pain in his neck and shoulders. Now, in our first session, it became apparent that it was not just the pressures around his job driving his stress reaction. It was also due to his incredibly demanding expectation he had for himself as the dad of two young kids, a runner clocking 30 to 50 kilometers a week, a team leader of a highly in-demand team, and a top-performing professional. The amount of pressure Jurassi felt was primarily due to forcing himself to meet his own expectations. Now, mind you, his professional and private expectations of himself have brought him far. In both worlds, he's highly regarded and respected. People around him describe him as conscientious, honest, trustworthy, and professional. The challenge was he was running himself ragged. Hunter was moving at such a pace that it was, it was not sustainable. Something was going to give. His poor sleep patterns, brain fog, anxiety, and head and shoulder aches were evident signs that his system was maxing. If Hunter was to prevent himself from falling into the abyss, well, he needed to slow down and turn his attention inwards. Unless he could deal with his internal environment, his sense of well-being would always be beyond his reach. Building resilience is an inside job. So let me share some thoughts on what I consider as to be the fundamentals of a resilient mindset and the shifts that Hunter had to make to get on top of his game. Our expectations, well, they become the rules we live our lives by. Like the rules of any game, they determine the constraints of how we play the game. When it comes to the rules of life, many of us need to realize we hold the power to change them. We can rewrite these rules at any point so they act to our advantage. For Hunter, like many of us, his expectations were set long ago by himself. His caregivers, his teachers, coaches, the neighborhood he grew up in, his culture, or any number of other sources. 
Many of those expectations served him well when they were first established. They served as a sturdy guide rails as he moved forward in life. Like many things in our past, early expectations tend to fade from the foreground of our minds to the background as present-day challenges occupy our attention. Yet, although forgotten, these old rules are still ticking away in the recesses of our psyche, influencing our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors, our attitudes. The man Hunter is today is different than he was 1, 5, 10, or 20 years ago. The personal evolution that all of us go through is inevitable. Our experiences leave an indelible mark on who we become. We move on and the world moves on. But we can't always say the same about the expectations we have for ourselves. For instance, when Hunter left university, he started his first professional position. He could easily clock 70 to 100 hours a week. Back then, he was not a father of two young kids leading a highly competent team and holding a difficult and demanding position. But somehow, Hunter was still rating the success of his current life based on expectations when he first entered the game. Then he wonders why his life is fraying at the edges. But don't many of us fall into this similar trap? Now, it may not be what Hunter experienced exactly, of course not. But we each have created our own gilded cages to some form or another. Resilience is about taking a cold, hard look at our expectations. If we don't like what we see, well, we need to step up and rewrite the game's rules. So they are relevant to our current reality, not the life we used to live. Now, a second pillar I want to talk about of resilience is self-compassion. Now, people who know Hunter say he's a guy who lends a helping hand in times of need and elevates others when they succeed. They describe him as caring and empathic, but unfortunately, Hunter turns off compassion when it comes to himself. When he makes a mistake, he continually berates himself. When he does something wrong, he is relentless in the negative comments he slings at himself. His expectations for himself are almost, if not, unattainable. When I ask Hunter if he expects the same of his son or daughter, his answer is a clear and definite no. Why do many of us do this to ourselves when we know that self-compassion is so much more helpful than self-flagellation? Self-compassion means being kind and understanding to ourselves. Accepting that we are not perfect means we create space for development and growth when we fumble or fall. Self-compassion, well, it's about adopting a learner's mindset, which fuels self-confidence and jettisons self-doubt. In addition, researchers have found that self-compassion positively correlates with improved mental health and greater life satisfaction. Like Hunter, we can make peace with our inner critic. We can stop punning ourselves for all the foul-ups. We can accept that we are not perfect. When confronted with our shortcomings, we can be kind to ourselves. As he realized, friends and colleagues value him because of who he is and not because he is faultless. Through my conversations with Hunter, he recognized that he was deriving his sense of self-worth from perfection and outcome. But as we all rationally know, perfection is close to impossible and outcomes, well, they are susceptible to circumstances beyond our control. For Hunter to turn on the faucet of self-compassion, he began to frame the way he talked to himself as he would to his children. He asked himself what he learned from his mistakes He spoke words of encouragement. 
and he changed or eliminated dysfunctional expectations so they were more pliable and resilient. To make sure he didn't fall off that or turn off the self-compassion faucet, I asked him to play sticky notes on his bathroom mirror, his computer screen at work, his, his car's dashboard as constant reminders to keep that self-compassion faucet turned on. Now, what I consider the third pillar of resilience is something I call the short game and long game. Now, the nature of Hunter's job was pressure. He was a master at time management, and there was little to no room for more tweaking of his time. So where the change came from was his relationship with pressure. When under pressure, we must be selective how we invest our attention. As our minds speed up, well, we become too occupied with the outcome and too little with the effort needed to reach the outcome. Focusing too much on the result can be incredibly draining to our motivation, especially when we know there's a vast distance to cover before we cross that finishing line. The expanse can leave us feeling overwhelmed. Now, the short game is about investing our energy and efforts in the present to help us achieve our future objectives of the long game. But unfortunately, like Hunter, we spend way too much time of our mental powers on the outcome of the long game and far too little where we truly can make a difference on the actions we can take in the short game. Hunter's mind was very often somewhere far in the future, which was depleting his attention on the outcome of finishing a project. Unfortunately, it left him feeling overwhelmed by how far he still needed to go before arriving at his final destination. Focusing too much on where we want to be instead of what we need to do in the present to get there can leave us feel overwhelmed. And this feeling leads us to ruminating about the lack of our progress, which leads to inaction and indecision, which fuels even more negative thinking. Instead, Hunter redirected his attention to what he could do today to move the project forward. Taking decisive action nurtures his sense of control over a situation. It was still progression. If he had only moved the project a centimeter that day, action is the remedy for inaction. Decisions are the countermeasure of indecision. At the same time, we don't want to swing the pendulum too far in the other direction of only focusing on what to do in the here and now. We need to temper our approach. A simple rule of thumb is to invest 20% of our attention on the outcome to ensure that we're heading in the right direction with the correct orientation. The other 80% of our attention, well, it's focused on investing our efforts and taking action needed to get us to arrive at our destination. Hunter discovered by making this simple attentional shift, well, it boosted his sense of autonomy, self-confidence, and motivation. Now, another pillar of sustainable resilience is to adopt the practice of gratitude. Gratitude is quite a complex emotion, but we can capture its essence by stating two words. Thank you. It's an appreciation for what we have and how far we have traversed along the road we are on. A sense of gratitude requires us to bring our attention to the here and now. When Hunter was present with his thoughts and emotions, he could acknowledge and appreciate the things, the people, the accomplishments and the opportunities in his life. And at the same time, well, an appreciation dawned in him about his the hurdles and pitfalls and obstacles that he had overcome. 
This shift in perspective is available to all of us. The return we collect from adopting a gratitude frame of mind is that we feel healthier and happier. Thanks to the brain's plasticity, investing in gratitude can become a default habit. One effective way of paying gratefulness is to adopt a learner's mindset. In my podcast, Embracing the Struggle, I spoke extensively on this topic where every situation becomes a learning opportunity, whether we succeed or whether we fumble. When we focus on gratitudes, our brains have heightened prefrontal activity. This increased activity results in enhanced mental functions such as creative thinking, cognitive flexibility, and faster processing. In addition, these emotions widen our attention span and change our perception to focus more on what we have achieved and gained instead of what we have lost or what we lack. Now, another pillar of resilience is the ability to process burdensome thoughts and emotions. Talking about our concerns with a trusted person can help us work out what is bothering us and figure out what we can do about it. It also allows us to understand how and why we think and feel the way we do. Such insight increases our ability to handle future thoughts and emotions. Hunter realized that when he keeps his troubles bottled up, this can create more unintended problems. He learned the hard way that the brain has the absurd ability to overthink a situation. It can turn a worry into an unmitigated crisis. Within a blink of an eye, Hunter can find himself caught up in a whirlwind of rumination and self-doubt. Talking about our concerns is like getting enough sleep, eating well, and exercising. All these efforts contribute to the improvement of our well-being and of resilience. When change and uncertainty appear on our doorstep uninvited, our initial response usually triggers defensive emotions like anger, concern, or anxiety. These emotions are a normal response to an adverse and unexpected event. Now, our initial thoughts focus on all the things that could go wrong. Next, our minds play out the worst-case scenarios. Then finally, we get wrapped up in speculation. All the what-is of things that could go sideways for us. When discussing with Hunter a troublesome situation he was facing at work, his first sentences can, can be tainted with frustration and doubt. But this is completely and entirely normal. It's part of the venting process. Speaking our minds out loud allows us to vent and to sort through our entangled thoughts and emotions, allowing us to process an event. In the case of Hunter, our coaching session did not change the reality of the situation. But what it did do was help him to shift his perspective. We are more reflective when we feel listened to and can articulate our fears and worries in a safe and non-judging environment. And when we are in a contemplative state, we seek options and possibilities that fuel our motivation and engagement. the tail end of another episode, but at the beginning of a brand new season, season three, I would just like to spend a brief moment to come back to the reason why I started this podcast. Like in season one, season two, season three will always be a free resource, as will all the episodes moving forward. A free resource for someone to to tap into, to learn from others, to 
sometimes to pull themselves back from the abyss to understand that sometimes a bad day does not mean a bad life or a bad week doesn't mean a bad job. That life is a roller coaster. There are the highs and there are lows. But in each of those highs and lows and the in-betweens, there's always lessons that we can learn that we can apply to our lives. Well, anyways, I'll let you get back to your jog, to walking the dog, to your drive back home or drive to work or whatever else you may be doing while listening to this podcast. And again, I really appreciate you joining me every week. As a call to action, if you could please rate, subscribe and share this episode with someone, I would really appreciate it. It would help me spread the word. But until next week, keep well, keep strong and we'll speak soon.